perfect, flawless, sinless, was that he ate and received sinners. Now these people, the sinners that, that, that Jesus is eating with and dining with are, are not like kind of like good people who occasionally tell a white lie. These are gangsters, thugs, prostitutes. Like these are bad people. And it's true that Jesus came and, and he came to to set the oppressed free and he came and he hung out with the widowed and the orphaned those who were poor and powerless and he came and he met those people to empower them and to free them and to show him his love and his grace for them but he also came, not just for the marginalized, but those who marginalize other people. And, and the, the religious people, and, and this is the question of not just the century or, or anything like that, but the question of eternity. Jesus, if you are perfect, if you are flawless, if you are the Son of God, God in the flesh, God in the blood, why are you hanging out with sinners? And to with somebody at this time was, was different than, than the way we eat with people now today. In the sense that they didn't have McDonald's or fast food or anything like that. To eat with somebody was to friend somebody. It was to spend probably hours at a time with somebody and to get to know them and who they were, where they came from, what their story was, why they were who they were. Today we, we sit behind the screen and we go on Facebook and we scroll flowers to get to know people, but at this time, during this day and age, to get to know somebody was to eat with somebody. So it's not like Jesus is just like, yeah, I want to know your name. No, he, he's saying, I want to know everything about you, sinners, 
Why does Jesus eat with sinners? And, and he doesn't make just a simple statement. Because he could have, right? He could have just said, this is why, plain and simple, this is it. But he tells a story. Jesus was the greatest storyteller of all time. He tells a story, and it's a story, the story begins as we often look at it in three parts, but it's all one story. Part one is the story of the lost sheep. And the story goes like this, there was a shepherd, he had a hundred sheep, he counts them, he counts ninety-nine, and one of them was lost. So he starts freaking out, where did my sheep go? This is the story says that he went looking for his sheep. Now in this day and age, if you are a shepherd, you had to protect your flock. And there were predators who were constantly trying to eat your flock, to steal your flock, to destroy your wealth and your well-being. And he had no one else to protect them if he went after them. So he had the decision to make. Do I protect the 99? Or do I go after the one? And risk it all. He says that he went after the one. And he found them. This is a thrill party and celebrated because he found the one. The story goes on and it's the story of the last coin. A woman, she has ten coins, she counts her coins, she realizes that she's missing one. So he says she sweeps the house. This isn't just like you're standing in your kitchen looking for your cell phone and you're just like scanning. Hopefully I see it and find it. No, she sweeps the house. She turns up the couch cushions, she, she rips through her clothes, she turns everything upside down. Now if you had nine coins sitting on the kitchen counter on your couch or whatever, and you sweat through your house, you probably risk losing the other I would take consolation 
is one of the hard servants for Stormy. In the arose he came to his father, but while he was a still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I sinned against heaven and before you are no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. What a beautiful story. Jesus, why do you hang out with sinners? I'm going to read you one more text, and if you would just, John, if you would just put up verses 8 and 9, I'm actually going to read you two texts. Verse 8, Ephesians 2, verses 8. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no man may boast. I'm going to jump again just one more chapter in Ephesians chapter 3. It won't be up on the screen, but just listen. This is Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 in the message. It says, God can do anything, you know. For more than you could ever imagine or Guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. The essence of our faith as Christians. If you're a Christian today, it's a reminder. If you're not, this is good news to you. If it's new news. The essence of our faith. The reason why we believe what we believe. The reason why we're here. Everything hangs on this. 
that we have received a gift from God. We have received a gift from God. We have received grace from God. Now grace is receiving something that you do not deserve. It's a gift. But here's the thing about a gift. A gift ceases to be a gift if it's attempted to be paid back. Right? Like at Christmas when your parents give you gifts, they're not expecting or asking for you to pay them back for the gifts. No, they're gifts. They've been given to you freely. Friends, Christianity is about a gift that God has given us. And it is not meant or intended or expected that we would pay it back. Amen. As I go forward today and try to break down this text and explain to you what God's word is speaking to us, everything hangs on this. And we have received a gift from God. Grace from God. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you. We love you. God, we pray just very simply today, God, that you would speak. God, that you would speak. You and you alone, God, that you would speak. Holy Spirit, fills and fills to a place of overflowing. God, we thank you for everything that you've done. We thank you for your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you were here last night, and, and many of you probably weren't, but that's okay, I'll explain to you the significance of last night anyway. I, uh, if you were here last night, you would have seen a guy walking around with a band-aid, and it was covered in blood, and and if you would have saw him, you would have thought, there's no way that that's the person who's preaching tonight. But that was me. And I had a band-aid on my face, and it was covered in blood, and people looked at me, and they were like, Dude, you're going to speak at church like why do you have a band-aid on your face and why are you bleeding? And I told them, 
They looked at me really weird and I told them, I said, it's because I'm an adult. Uh, you're eight. 
had me a priest, but I wanted to be a priest so bad. I wanted to be grown up so bad that immediately after my baptism, I drove to Montana with my family, and I had been given for my first uh, not my baptism, my first communion. I had been given uh, a booklet, and it was the liturgy of the Catholic Mass. And for eight hours, with my dad and my grandma and my aunt, I read to them as their priest the liturgy of the Catholic Mass. No blood and wine, but we did everything else, friends, in that car. And I was their priest, and I just wanted to grow up and be an adult. And there's been something about, and I don't understand it, I don't get it, I don't say this to boast, but my whole life I've just been considered more mature for my age or whatever. In the high school I was on the basketball team and my teammates, they would call me dad, right? They would tease me, oh yeah, whatever, dad. Because they thought I was more mature than I was adult. The truth was is that they were just really childish, but it's neither, it's neither here nor there. I've forgiven them. But my whole life, my whole life, I just wanted to be an adult, and now that I've arrived, and I'm an adult, I'm incredibly underwhelmed by adulthood. Now let me tell you why. And, and it's weird because, again, I've always wanted to be an adult. And people used to say this phrase to me. Oh, just wait till you get to the real world. Right? And I was like, what does that mean? I can't wait to get to the real world. And then I got to the real world. Fully independent, responsible, shaving regularly. And I realized that the sad truth about, from a human perspective, what the real world is, what it means to be an adult, is that your wrath and your purpose and your value is determined by what you can earn and achieve. And when we become adults, 
The very question that we ask ourselves is, what is my worth? What is my value? What is my purpose in this world? I've arrived, I'm in the real world. What now? So we, we pursue all these things, we pursue, you know, a job, a career. And we get it. We pursue a family and we get it. We pursue zeros in our bank accounts. We try to stack up our friends on Facebook and our likes on Instagram. And we determine our worth based on whether we've accomplished these things. I'm successful if I have a car and I have a family and I have nice clothes and I have all these different things I've achieved and I've earned all these things that makes me successful and it makes me valuable in our world, doesn't it? If you don't have any friends, you don't have a job. The only zeros you have in your bank account is one. You, you're not valuable, right? Isn't that what our culture tells us? Our worth, our value, our purpose is determined by what we can earn or what we can accomplish or the lack thereof. If we've accomplished a lot, earned a lot, worth a lot. If we haven't done anything, if we wasted it all, Worth nothing. Now this is the same reality that the Pharisees and the Sadducees lived in at this time. And their question remained, Jesus, why do you hang out with sinners? Because they saw Jesus who was perfect, who was flawless, who was just, they saw him as the God in, in, in the flesh, and they saw him hanging out with sinners, who didn't deserve, who hadn't earned his presence. So yeah, because they're worth nothing, right? They hadn't earned it, they hadn't accomplished anything, they'd wasted it all. So why, Jesus, 
because there's, there's nothing any, no place worse than this and often, and often we hit a rock bottom because of the decisions that we've made, right? This is why the sun is at this place. He's not at rock bottom because of what people have done to him, but the decisions that he's made. So Jesus, what are you trying to say? See, the rock bottom is bad enough when you get there, right? Because of the decisions that we've made. But it says that the sun was feeding pigs and nobody gave him anything. Rock bottom's bad enough. But rock bottom's even worse when nobody has any sympathy for you or empathy for you. Nobody cares about you. You feel forgotten and you're all alone. Jesus, why do you eat with sinners? Why? Because when we're in our rock bottom, and we feel like people have forgotten us, and have no sympathy or empathy for us, God knows exactly why. And it has nothing to do with what we've done or haven't done. What we don't deserve or what we do deserve. But it has everything to do with who he is. The reality of world is that we we earn and accomplish our success based on what we earn and accomplish. The reality for God is that we receive what we've been given not because of what we earn or accomplish or do but because of who he is and his immense and measurable love for us. If you've ever found your place at Red Banner, friends, I have good news for you. God knows exactly where you're at and where you are. And it's not too far. Jesus would not have told this story if rock bottom 
was too far for him to go. He wouldn't have even recognized it. He would have acknowledged the, the prodigal son when he was on his journey. When he hit Los Angeles before he got to Vegas. But no, he says when you're in your rock bottom. When you're all alone, when you feel forgotten, I know exactly where you're at, and I haven't forgotten you. That's really good news. It gets better, though. I know. It does. See? The thing again about rock bottom is when we're at that place we recognize we are generally right. At some point, like we realize it, and the son realized it, he realized this is rock bottom. And at that place we realize we recognize how bad things are, but we also have this hope. That there's something more. That there has to be. And anything is better than where we're at, right? The son recognizes that and he remembers back to his father. He says, if I could just be a servant. On my father's property, it would be better than here. When you're at your rock bottom, you realize that there was something better, correct? Now here's the thing about rock bottom. Because of the decisions that we've made, we have this debt that we can't pay back. Because even if you recognize that there's something better, it still seems, don't we say this, too far off? Like, I realize that there's something else, but I've done so much God, that I am too far off. There's no way I can make up this ground. That's not what the story says. The story doesn't say that he was too far off. The story says that he was a long way off. I've good news for you, friends. Even if you've wasted it all, 
and you feel like you're too far off, you're not too far off because this is not about what you did or can do. This is about who God is and what he has for you. You're not too far off. You're just a long way off. And when you, you reach the end of your journey on your way back, when you run out of all your strength, what does this always say? That the Father ran to him. The Father ran to him. You're not too far off, you're a long way off. Only because the Father runs to us. He runs to us. Now when I say he runs to us, I'm not talking about, I'm not saying that you should expect like this guy with a white robe and a beard to come running to you when you leave this place or show up in this auditorium. It's not gonna happen or sanctuary. What I'm talking about is the, the birth, the life, and the death of resurrection and, uh, and the resurrection of Jesus. That is God running to us. It's already been done. He's already reached us. It says, and, and here's the thing, the son, he prepared a speech, right? And he expected that if I could just get back, and I could be a servant, then it would be enough. I think even in a rock bottom, we settle for something that is waiting for us. We settle like if I can just get out of this place and that would be enough. But that's not what Jesus is saying. This is not why he hangs out with sinners. He doesn't just have something a little bit better for us. Says that the Father ran to him, hugged him, jumped all over him, kissed him, and celebrated. Now in that day and age, if the community would, when the community 
would, would have saw the sun coming home because of what the sun had done they would have killed him he deserved death and the father knew this and because of the father's love for him Because the father hadn't forgotten him. Because the father had never stopped looking and watching for his son to come home. He saw him while he was a long way off before the community that wanted to kill him did. And he ran to him, and the reason why he jumped on him and kissed him was to protect him from death. If this world was based on what we deserve, we all deserve death. Really. The reason why Jesus hangs out with sinners is because God's reality is this is not based on what we deserve, but on who He is. And when we are long way off, we forget that we have. Everything, everything 
together. But the sun just still like father kissed him and celebrated and he still doesn't get it. He starts to tell his dad why he's so sorry. And notice the father doesn't even pay any attention to his apology. Don't apologize. Don't waste your time. Because God is not concerned. Because his reality is not based does not base your worth on what you've done or you haven't done. The reality your worth is based on who he is and what he desires. And his desire is us. And his desire is that we would come home. Not to be his servant or his slave, it says that he had a party waiting for him. The fattened calf, filet mignon. Ruth Chris, a hundred dollar steak. Sometimes even if we, we get to that place where we think it's enough, we just expect just to, to survive and make it through. Jesus, why do you hang out with sinners? Because regardless of what people done, I have a party waiting. And the invitation is open to everybody. There's no requirement to get in. Have you come home yet? Have you come home yet? If you're a prodigal you've ran too far away, so you think. Have you come home yet? And maybe you feel like you're home, but are you really home? Are you held So the same thing that the sun used to waste what the father had given him, a party, God uses to redeem him. It's what God has waited.
God can use whatever it is that you've wasted in order to reveal to you the love that he has for you. And this party that God has waiting for us has no booze or no wild women, no crazy music or anything like that. It, it pales in comparison to that. Because that's not what we really need and that's not what we were ever created for. And those things are of no worth in compared to the perfect presence of God. Not the perfect presence of God because of our imperfection, but because of who He is and what has created us for. And even while we ran away, what he ran to us to bring us back to. Are you home Will you come home? You can come home freely. Home is waiting for you. A party is waiting for you. It's pretty good news, friends. And I'll give it it's the best news in the world. But the story doesn't end there. And you can imagine at this point the sinners that Jesus is eating with are going Wild. Because of the story that he just told. Right? But they were now the marginalizers are now the marginalized by the religious people. They're getting picked on. And Jesus steps in the way and defends. The reason why I hang out with these people, religious people, is because I love them. Now if God stepped in front of you and said that, you would go crazy too. Knowing that you don't deserve it. Guess what, friends? I have good news. More good news. Jesus has stepped in front of each and every one of us. Regardless of what we do or don't deserve. To tell us that he loves us. And the party never ends here. It's unending. It's eternal.
The destroyer gets better. Often, you know, we, again, we, we talk about Luke 15 and we know about the prodigal son. But there was an older brother. And we often forget or don't talk as much about the older brother. But I think it's just as beautiful as the younger son. And the older brother, he came home while the party's going on and, and he sees that the party's going on and he's like, what's going on? Where'd the DJ come from? Where'd the buffet come from? What's going on? And, and then he sees his younger brother and he's really angry. And he goes to the father and he's like, Dad, what? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You throw a party for this kid? He's an idiot. Don't you know what he's done? He doesn't deserve this. Have you ever felt that way before? Someone who didn't deserve something got it. And we thought because of the things that we've done, and we've earned, and we've accomplished, we've been shorted. The difference between the, the younger brother and the older brother is really nothing at all. That's a scary thought, friends. That we could never run away from our father. But we could forget who he was. Have we forgotten who our father is? See, my hope for Holy City Church is that we would not... The, the, the older brother goes to the father and he says, this is, his, this is why he's upset. 
because he had given the younger brother this huge party. And he didn't get this little baby dog that he wanted. I think God's heart was just as broken when the older brother made that complaint to him as when the younger brother took his inheritance early and ran and wasted it all. Do we come to God faithful, doing a lot of good deeds, never running away, and just ask Him for a pet? Just a little tiny bit of what he wants to give us. Because God says, Are you kidding me? Have you forgotten who I am? Just because you've haven't run away doesn't mean that you understand who I am. Because I don't want to just give you a little piece of everything that I have. I want to give you everything that I have. Have we forgotten who our father is? Now I think the reason why the elder brother was in this moment and was feeling what he was feeling and had forgotten who his brother was. Who his father was. Is because he thought he didn't need forgiveness for anything. Regardless of who we are, especially in the culture of comparison, often it's easy to be the older brother and to compare ourselves to the younger brother and think that we deserve something because we're just a little bit better and we haven't run away. Again, that's not God's reality. God is not concerned with what we've done or haven't done, what we can earn or what, can, what we can accomplish. He gives everything and he bases everything and he does everything not contingent on us at all. But simply
simply because of who he is. Friends, regardless of who you are, or how good you are, how faithful you are in the house, we still need forgiveness. We still need forgiveness. And to receive forgiveness is to receive everything from God. There's nothing greater than the gift of forgiveness. No amount of money. No care. No status that one can receive socially. But the freedom from the guilt and the shame of the things that we've done away. God has a party for us. Will we party? Will we celebrate? Will we receive the gift that God has given us? What are we worth? To God, we're worth everything. He gave everything. The God of the universe, friends, gave everything for us. Can't do anything not out of love. 
So how does it feel staying on a Sunday day? My parents love me so much that they let me, they let me rebel. And I didn't run off to Vegas or anything like that, but in my heart, I was just angry. And I thought my worth and my value and my purpose was based on the things that I could accomplish. And when I was 16, I thought I was God's gift to basketball. I didn't think that I had citizenship to Canada. I thought I had, like, citizenship to every country in the world, right? I thought I was God's gifted ass one. This guy came into our, our gym one day. And he was all bubbly and smiley and high-fiving people and I was like, what is this dude doing on my turf? Who does he think he is? But he's cocky and arrogant. Because he was nice to people. How silly is that? I thought I was the prodigal son, I was the older brother all at once. And uh, he came into the gym and, and we, we ended up guarding each other and playing the whole afternoon against each other. And, and to be honest, I'll confess this, he was better than me. And because of that, he had taken something, I thought he had taken something from me that I put all my worth and my value in. So what did I do? He's guarding me, right? This is the very end. I've reached my end. I'm in triple threat. He's guarding me, right? I fake out him like that. To get him to back off me, he draws nearer, naturally. So a second time, get off me, man. He draws nearer again. I'm thinking, do you have a death wish? Like, what's wrong with you? Just Back off! Draws near to me a third time. I've had it all. I couldn't take it anymore. 
This dude should be waiting for me in the parking lot with his homies to beat me up. That's what I deserved. But when I was all alone because of what I've done, and nobody felt sorry for me, And I deserved to sit by myself. I felt like I was forgotten. And I was too far off. Craig came to me. And Craig came to me both as once the prodigal son and the elder brother. But more than anything as a son of God. Forgiving. And just a person who parties regularly. Not the partier that we know in this world. But just regularly. Despite his imperfections. Parties with God the Father. And just basks in the gift that God has given us. His love, regardless of what we've done. And here I am now. Six years later. Still an imperfect person. Still at times a, a prodigal. Running and, and still at times an older brother. But I don't, I don't define myself by those things anymore. Because I know that's not what my worth is. I recognize now that the same grace that saved me is the very grace that will sustain. And I know that the party never ends. If you're a prodigal, when you come home, and if you're an elder son or daughter, will you receive everything? that God has for you. Will you stand with me? There's a... 
guys know who the Apostle Paul is? Much of you, you probably do, and if you don't, the Apostle Paul. He, uh, he wrote two-thirds of what we know to be a New Testament. Arguably one of the greatest, apart from Jesus, the greatest theologian of all time. Now there's a, a story in Paul's pastoral letters to the churches. And what Paul is saying to these people, the church at Corinth, who were wild people. The city of Corinth is wild, and this was a church in that city. And he told them, he said, this is a paraphrase, he said, I, I had a moment in my life where God literally came face to face with me. And in that moment, I, I pleaded with God to take away Brokenness inside of me. He had a, says he has a, a thorn in his side. And he said, I pleaded with God. God, take this away from me. And this is, and again, it says that he's in the third heaven. Which the people who were reading that letter would have understood that to be face to face with God. Like this is not just the way that we pray. He's face to face with God. Can you imagine that? Being face to face with God, I can't wait. But this is what God says to Paul, based on what Paul wrote. The Father says this, My grace is sufficient for you. Because in my weakness, in your weakness, in my weakness, in your weakness, I am strong. My grace is sufficient for you. Friends, no matter where you fall today, prodigal son, religious leader, Elder brother, is God's grace sufficient enough for you? Is there anything more that you need? Is there everything that the God
God of the universe has given each and every one of us, regardless of what we've done, enough. Can you give me two more minutes? Will you bow your heads and pray with 
That was the woman's reasonable response. I think it would be inappropriate for me not to give you a response. So if you would bow your head, everybody close their eyes. Three groups today. Prodigals. If you want to come home, if you want to recognize that you're coming home, that you will receive the gift no matter how far off you went, in a minute I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and receive prayer. Second group, elder sons and daughters. If there are things that you need to be forgiven of, if you recognize that God has more for you beyond what you could guess or imagine, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and receive prayer. In the third group, if you've never known this life, if you've never received Jesus, if you've never received this gift, this grace, and you want to do that today, I'm going to raise your hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. On the count of three, I just ask you if you're in any three of those groups to slip up your hand and I want to pray for you. One, hands already gone up. Two, three. God, I thank you for these people. God, whatever it is that you're doing in our hearts, God, we lift it up to you, God, and we pray that you would bless it. God, we thank you for your son and the gift that you've given us, God. God, would you be with us, God? God, we just declare to each and every one of us, God, that we just want to party. That we just want to be in your presence. God, thank you for everything that you've given us, God. And we declare to you. Prodigals, elder brothers, sons, and daughters. The people who haven't come home that are home now, that your grace, your gift, your son is sufficient for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer, if you're in any three of those groups and you want more prayer, more prayer is never a bad thing. 
the altars are open, and I encourage you to come forward. But if not, go in 